0: Thank you for joining us on Sunday mornings at Frisco Church. And now, here's Pastor Matt. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 6. A couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, I started this and didn't get a chance to finish it. I'm coming back to it this morning and finishing it up. And it's just entitled this, Your Shout. Your Shout. Every one of us has a shout within us. Every one of us has a shout somewhere within us. We're going to have an opportunity and moments in our life. You might go, well, I'm just kind of a quiet person, and I understand that. I'm not necessarily talking about physically shouting. I'm talking, because some of you are going like, yeah, my mother had a lot of shouts in her. No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the ability to celebrate victories in your life, those shouts that, that, that we have in our life. We all have these moments, and we all have these opportunities but the question is, and what really made me and, and led me to this scripture, uh, the question for me was, what leads to your shout? We always like to talk about the shout. We always like to talk about the victories. We always like to mention what God's doing and, and the good things that's happening. It's like, oh, it's so great. God healed me or God delivered me or God provided for me or whatever the case is. And it's wonderful. We need those stories. But, but what leads to that? Something leads to these moments that we have, these these, uh, times in our lives that we have where there's a shout that's taking place. Joshua chapter 6, without a doubt, I suppose, the most popular shout, well-known shout in Scripture is found in Joshua chapter 6. And I want to just, our text this morning is verse 16. It says this, After the seventh time the priests blew the trumpets and Joshua said to the troops, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The shout. The shout. The song that we just sang, the last song we just sang, went perfectly, goes perfectly with this, uh, this passage or this thought this morning. Our shout. A couple of weeks ago, I started on this. We only got in a verse, I think, maybe. But, but we started talking about how Jericho was shut up, it was strongly fortified, no one was coming in, no one was going out. What leads to the shout? Several things took place just before this. Now, we read the story of Jericho, and we're going to take a quick look at it this morning. We read that story, it's an awesome story, how God knocks down the walls, and, and they shouted with this great shouting, and, but but something leads to that. You know, most of the time we really enjoy the shout, we don't like what leads to the shout. Something leads to the shout. What was leading to the shout was, I, I mean, honestly, there was this season that they were going through of transition. It was unreal. They, these same people, they were, they were wandering or, or being led through the wilderness for 40 years. By the fire, by, by night, and this cloud, by day, God was leading them through the wilderness. And, and they were looking for this place called the Promised Land. For 40 years, they... They were just kind of wandering, following this, this cloud and this fire, and God did some awesome things. In fact, they were hungry, and God would give them food every morning. He would rain, literally rain bread down for them. They call it manna, and rain it down on the ground. They'd gather up their food every morning. There were times when water would come out of a rock, and it would give them water to drink, and all of their livestock, and there were times when birds, flocks of birds would just come over and fall in their laps, and they would eat these birds. And they just saw this day in and day after day in a day out, and, and they were following this man by the name of Moses who led them through the wilderness. They they crossed the Red Sea and, and, and this went on for years, but then they got to the point where the original generation passed away. Moses now has died just recently died they're down the leader that they followed for 40 years and now they're on the on the brink of crossing into the promised land they're ready to cross over to this land that's finally been given to them and 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 they've been looking for it for years and now they're getting this opportunity they're getting ready to cross in and uh, and the Jordan River splits just like this The sea did 40 years earlier. And they walk across the Jordan River on dry ground under the leadership of a man by the name of Joshua. There was a lot of transition. The fire that they'd been following had had went out. The cloud that they'd been following had disappeared. The manna that fell from heaven every day and they depended on was now gone. It was a transition to say the least. Most of us love The shout. Rarely do we enjoy the transition. Rarely do we enjoy the changes that life brings to us. And, 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 and I, I was telling the story earlier to some friends, Kobe and Stephanie are visiting. I was telling them this story this morning because they've went through some transition recently. I remember just a couple of years ago when uh, both of our kids, they were moved out of the house. And I remember the first morning after that, I rolled over, and I looked at Stephanie, and she was looking at me and kind of teary-eyed a little bit. She said, we're all alone. And I said, I know. (laughs) It's awesome. We've been working years for this moment. And she was going, I don't know how you'd be happy, and it was just this time of transition, and some of you have been there before. Some of you have have had moments of transition and it's not difficult but what leads to a shout is generally something stirring prior to some transition taking place and and here there's some transitioning happening and and rarely do we get to promised land without some transition in fact they cross the Jordan River and the first thing they run into is this huge city named Jericho fortified walled city And I mentioned a couple weeks ago, how many of us have ever, you know, we've experienced a victory just in time to run into another city, another battle, another enemy, another difficulty. That's where they were. They they crossed the Jordan, they're celebrating, and then Jericho. But rarely do you get the promised land without getting a Jericho or two. You see, the promised land was something God promised them, that's why it's called the promised land. He promised it to them, but they still had to go get it. So we see this story of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6. The Israelites cross over, and then they're facing Jericho. The Bible says in chapter 6, verse 1, the city was a great city. It was a fortified city. It was walled up. No one was coming in. No one was going out. The city itself was scared to death of the Israelites. And the reason is... Because, and I think of this in our own life, I mentioned it earlier, so often we feel like we're supposed to be afraid of the enemy when when you read the scripture, the enemy's actually afraid of you. This great, when we see this great enemy, this walled, fortified, strong, mighty enemy called the devil and we go, oh no, all the stuff that he does and, and we should be afraid. But then when we read the scripture, we realize, wait a minute. We're never supposed to be afraid of the enemy. He's supposed to be afraid of us. We as the blood-bought, spirit-filled, faith-living Christian, we should be the one scaring the enemy. The city of Jericho was fortified. It It was walled up and strong, yet scared of the Israelites. The one thing we must always remember is that we are the children of God, we are spirit filled, we have the, the spirit of God living in us. We belong to the Great I Am. We belong to the Almighty One. That's who our Father and King is. We belong to Him, and because of that, the enemy's afraid of us. Because of that, the enemy is 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 scared of you. And and I don't even know as Christians. There's a lot of Christians who. I don't even know if we've ever heard this, that the enemy's actually scared of you, that he's actually worried about you. If you are spirit-filled, if you are born again, if you are living by faith, if you have trust in God, the, the enemy is actually scared of you. There's no reason for us to run in fear. There's no reason for us to worry ourselves to death. You have the authority. We were just saying about it. You have the authority over the enemy. God has given you all the tools to have authority over the enemy. You are supposed to be on offense. The devil should be the one spending his time on defense. We should be the ones who are attacking the enemy. I I read the scripture and I realize that God's given us every tool to attack, and then God says, And I will be your defense. In other words, you stay attacking, and I'll take care of the defending. That's the God that we're serving today. And that's where the Israelites were. It's where Jericho was. Jericho was scared of, of, of Israel, and Israel was getting ready to be on the attack mode. So the question is this morning, why was Jericho so afraid of Israel? Why would they be so afraid of Israel? At, at that moment, and even in today's world, Israel's not, a, not some sort of great, nation is not some sort of enormous it's not like Russia or China or even the US it's nothing like that there's this little country in the middle of, of just surrounding enemies and why why was jericho in those days so afraid after all they have the great walled city why were they so afraid of israel they didn't have tanks they wasn't even necessarily known as great warriors they didn't have giants fighting for them Why were they so afraid of Israel? We have to go all the way back to to, uh, Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2 tells us a story about Rahab. And and that story will tell us why, uh, why they were so afraid. So before they crossed the Jordan River, Israel sends some spies over. Send a couple spies over and they're like, hey, go view what's over there. See what Jericho looks like. See what the land's like. See what's happening. And they go to Jericho just as like average people and they walk into the city and they go hide and they hide in this lady's house by the name of Rahab. And, then, and, and in the middle of all of this, Rahab begins telling them some things. And she hides them because now the authorities of the city, here there's a couple spies and they're looking for them. So she hides them on the roof. And while she's hiding them, She tells them something. It's in Joshua chapter 2, verse. uh, let's see, starting in verse 8. Joshua chapter chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land that they're living in. I know the Lord has given you this land and this city. And that, listen to what she says, terror of you has fallen on us. And everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. And then verse 10 tells us something that we can't, I have it underlined in my Bible. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. There's a part there that's so interesting to me. I've got an underline, for we have heard. Why were they so afraid? Why was Jericho so afraid? Rahab has these men hidden on her roof, and she goes up, and and they're getting ready to go to sleep, and she says, I know, we all know, we all know that this land has been given to you. We all knew you were coming. We all saw it coming, and we are terrified. In fact, she said, we are panicking. The city and the land, the enemy is panicking. Why? Because we have heard what God has done for you. I read that a while back and it just jumped off the page at me. Why were they so afraid? Because they heard. We heard how he dried up the sea. We heard how how he worked the miraculous and gave you victories. We've heard about the fire and the cloud. We've heard about the manna falling from heaven. We've heard about the water coming from the rock. We've heard about all of this stuff for years. We knew you were coming. We knew about it. And we've heard about it. It, it, It's caused this fear. It's caused this terror in us. To the point we've locked up our walls. We've shut the gates. No one's coming in. No one's going out. Because of this. Because of what we heard. And I read this and I was... I thought to myself, oh, how often, how often, I wonder what the devil hears out of my mouth. Now listen, understand, he hears what you're saying. Stephanie mentioned it last week. He hears what you're saying. He hears what you're praying. He hears what you're singing. He hears what you're praising. The enemy does. The reason that they were so afraid was because of what they had heard. And then I wonder what the enemy hears coming out of my mouth. I wonder if the enemy hears me, you know, like, I wonder if he hears me praising God with all of my heart, and it strikes fear in his his heart. I wonder if the enemy is like, That our our enemy Satan himself I wonder if if he's like Jericho where he is terrified of Matt Snyder because he's heard what God has been doing in my life I wonder if he's terrified about Grant and Shy because of of, uh, he hears what God's doing he's heard them uh, praise God for what he's been doing and, and it strikes terror into his spirit into who he is I wonder what he hears from us I don't pray to the devil, don't get me wrong. I've never prayed to the devil. But I've prayed about the devil a lot. I pray to God, I pray to the Almighty, and I do that in Jesus' name. But I mention what the devil's doing often. And I want the devil to hear that. Because when he begins hearing a believer pray in faith, and he prays with power, and he prays with the Spirit of God, that strikes a fear in him that he can't seem to overcome. I want the devil to hear. I want him to hear. You may go, well, you just don't know, preacher. The devil's been mad at me and my family. It's been a rough year. I want him to hear it out loud. I want him to hear my praises. I want him to hear me praising God. I want him to know that I'm I'm, I'm madly in love with this God who created me and who blesses me. I want him to know that I'm not turning my back on God. I want him to know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I want him to know that. I want him to know that the blood of Jesus is what washed me and cleansed me and made me new and gives me the power today. I want him to know that I'm going to the throne room of God. I want him to know that. I want him to know it. I don't want to pray secretly. Not to where the enemy doesn't hear it. I want to pray to where he hears it. Because it strikes a fear. The reason Jericho was shut up wasn't because of what they seen. It was because of what they had heard. What's our enemy hearing? Is he hearing you going, oh, it's just so terrible. I'm just so down. I'm just so out. I'm so weak. I'm so miserable. My kids are miserable. My husband's miserable. My wife is miserable. My family's miserable. The church is miserable. Everything's miserable in my life. And I'm just a pitiful, pitiful, pitiful person. Is that what he's hearing? Because i got to be honest with you. That would not strike fear in any enemy. That doesn't strike fear. At some point, we've got to start speaking the word of God. We've got to start going, No, I I may feel bad today, but greater is he that's in me. I I may feel rough today, but I know he's my healer. And I, I may be going without today, but I know I serve a God who's my provider. I'm not worried about the devil, and I'm not worried about the enemy, and I'm not running in fear. Israel was not fearing uh, the uh, the city of Jericho Jericho was fearing the sit the nation or the people of Israel and they heard what God had done I started thinking about how the enemy hears us today how does he hear us one he hears what you say to others he hears what you say he hears what your conversation is he hears he hears what you're saying about yourself. He hears what you're saying about your kids. Listen to me. I, I, I do mean this. We've we got to be careful what we're saying. Because he hears it. And I want my words to strike fear in the enemy. He hears what you're saying to people. He hears what you're saying to God. When you're praying, he hears that. I want the devil to hear it. I want him to hear those things. He hears it when you're praising God. Even when you don't feel like praising, and you do it anyway, he hears it. I think it strikes a fear in the enemy that nothing else strikes in him. When a a child of God begins to praise the living God when he doesn't feel like it, or she doesn't feel like it, that strikes a fear in the enemy. It has to. And I want him to hear that today. So, what's the enemy hearing out of your mouth? What is he hearing? Because of what they heard, they were afraid. The devil's not scared of you because of who you are. He's not scared of you because of your name. He's not scared of you because of where you attend church. That's never been something that would strike fear in the enemy, that's never been something that would cause him to be scared of a believer. He's scared of you, and he fears you because of the Spirit of God that lives within you. He fears you because of the Spirit of God that abides in you. The one who is, who's now uh, uh, resides in you. The one who uh, has exchanged the old man for the new. The God that we serve today. That's why the enemy is afraid. And when he hears what God has been doing in our lives, it strikes a fear. It strikes a fear in him. Joshua chapter 6, if you have your Bible there this morning. Now Jericho, verse 1, was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. They were afraid of the Israelites. No one leaving and no one was entering. The Lord said to Joshua, look, I have handed Jericho and its king and its best soldiers over to you. Now, this is a verse that we would generally overlook. And I want to stop here for just a moment because I think it's very important that we see this. Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. But then verse 2 says, And the Lord said, I have handed Jericho, its kings, and its people over to you. We cannot overlook this verse. I have handed them over to you because of me because of me yes Jericho's big yes it's fortified yes it's mighty yes they're locked up yes they're even scared of you but you need to understand the battle belongs to me the battle belongs to me the victory belongs to me the praise afterwards belongs to me it's not your fight it's not your battle it's not going to be your victory and it's definitely not going to be your praise That all belongs to me. God made it very clear. And I'm amazed. I'm amazed how often I can do it. How often we can uh, can get things a little twisted. And when God blesses us, somehow we like to take the credit for it. How many of us can... uh, Let me give you an example. How many of us can, can relate to this? Maybe you don't need to raise your hand. But God in some way has blessed you and somehow you feel like you earned that. Right? Like God has blessed me and somehow, well, I earned that. Now, I'm not going to say you don't work hard. I'm not saying that. I'm not going to say that that that, that, that doesn't happen. And here's, let me just say this real quick. If you don't work hard, stop expecting God to bless you big. That's a pretty good preaching. I should have got an amen on that. If you don't work and you're able to work, don't expect God to bless you big. But also understand when God blesses you, you need to give credit where credit's due. That's not not all on you. I'm going to show you something about God real quick. There's a scripture, and it says something like this, He can give and He can take away. You better be careful who you're giving thanks to. If you think it's all about you, You're in for a rude, terrible awakening in your life. God made it very clear at the very beginning of this story. I'm giving Jericho to you. I don't want you taking credit for it. I don't want you walking away going, look what we did. I don't want you doing that. I'll give it to you, but I get the praise. I'll give it to you, but I get the thanks. I get the credit. I I was reminded of a few stories in the Bible. Remember the story of David and Goliath? When David's going up against this little boy, David's going up against this giant Goliath. And, and, and David approaches Goliath. And he's like, today, the Lord, this is what he says. Today, the Lord will hand you over to me. Today, the Lord will hand you over to me. And then he says, I will cut off your head. I'm going to knock you down. I'm going to cut off your head. And and the birds are going to eat you and the rest of the Philistine army. But the Lord's given that to us. Oh, I, I'm not saying you won't play your role. I'm not saying you're not going to go to work tomorrow. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you won't have to face your giant. I'm not saying you won't have to face your Jericho. But the concept is this. I will face my Jericho, but God's given Jericho to me. I will face the Goliath, but Goliath is going to be given to me by God. God is the one who's going to give us the victory. And David says, "You know, I'm, I know God's going to give me the victory, but I'll be doing the cutting. I'll be doing the slinging of the stone. But God's giving me the victory. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 31. Scripture says this, The horse is prepared for the day of battle. The horse is prepared for the day of battle. But victory comes from the Lord. In other words, I'm going to do my part, God. And I'm expecting you to do your part. And when it all comes out in the wash, I'll give you praise for giving me the victory. I'll do my part. I'll get my horse ready. And it's ready for battle. And I sure don't care to go to battle. But the victory's got to be yours. You'll give me the victory. That's what we see all through Scripture. Even Paul said it. Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, but thanks be to God... Thanks be to God, praise be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory comes through him, right? And then we see in this story, Joshua chapter 6. Look, he says in verse 2, I've handed Jericho and its kings and its soldiers over to you. And then God gives some specific, very specific instructions. You march around the city with all the men of it war. You circle the city one time. Do this once a day for 6 days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horns trumpets in front of the ark. But on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. And while the priests blow the trumpets when there is a prolonged blast of the horn and you hear its sound, have all the troops give a mighty shout. Then the city wall will collapse. And the troops will advance each man straight ahead. Here God's given some specific instructions. I, we, I know if you've been in church long at all, you know the story. But he says this, I want you to get up. I want you to go out on Monday and I want you to march around it. One day, one time. Then you go back. Tuesday, you march around one time and you go back. Wednesday, one time and you go back. Do this six days. Then on the seventh, we're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to switch it up a little bit. You're going to march around seven times. You're going to shout and the wall is going to fall. And he's telling Joshua this. Now, keep in mind, Joshua does know a little something about fighting. He knows a little something about battles. And Joshua has got to be going, God, God, I don't know what you're thinking, but this is the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. Right? Like, like I don't know God. I understand you know everything, but I don't think you know battles very well. Because this is not how you fight. This is not how I win. This is not how it works. What a terrible, Joshua has got to be going, what a terrible idea. You want me, I, and, and he can look back, goes, I've got thousands of men back here. They've got their faces painted up. They've got war paint on. They have swords in hand. They are pumped and ready to go, God. I mean, they are like, they are, they are pumped and, and ready to fight. And they're like got their war chants going. And Joshua's over here talking to God. And God's going, Joshua, I don't want you to do it that way. I want you to just go, here's the deal. I just want you to go walk around the city. Yeah. God, that doesn't work. That never works. He's like, no, no, no. Do this very specific thing. You walk around once per day for six days. Can you imagine Joshua going back to all these guys? They're lined up. They've got the war paint on. They're ready to go. They're like, let's go kill someone. And Joshua's like, whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What are we going to do? We're going to go walk around the city. They've got to be going, Joshua, what a terrible idea. Have you ever had God tell you to do something that in you you went? That's a terrible idea. I mean, this just does not work. Let me, let me give you an example. and This is something we do every Sunday morning. We're going to talk, I keep saying we're going to talk about one of these days. We'll get there one of these days. But every Sunday morning we do this. Every Sunday morning we go, okay, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings this morning. And you hear the preacher get up here and he talks about the blessings of God that comes with a giver. And we sit there and we look in our wallet and we go, do you understand, Pastor, that the climate of our economy today, do you understand where we are? You're wanting me, I, I'm, I get it too. Like I understand things are tight right now. And you're wanting me to give. Well, first of all, you need to understand, I don't care if you give. I'm telling you, God wants you to give, all right? So get that real quick. But, but, but I'm the one that, I'm the messenger, right? So you're going, you want me to give and I don't understand it. That doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. Why would I give my hard-earned money when I need every dime of it? But there's a precept and a concept in the Bible that as we begin giving, God begins pouring back into our lives. And, And there's some things that you will not receive until you get this principle. There's just some things you won't receive from God until you get the principle of giving. And it, and it's such a weird concept for many of us. I get it. I understand it. I've been there. I, I, I spent a few days a while back with Andy, and he was sharing with me. He said, you know, one of the hardest things for me to get a hold of was tithing. Because it meant I was taking money out of my wallet. You know, like you can say... Can we volunteer at the food kitchen or like the you know the food pantry? Can we volunteer at the you know the homeless kitchen? I'm like yeah, I can do that. But when you're really wanting me to sacrifice, that makes no sense. Yet that's how God chose to do it. Right? It makes no sense to march around the city once a day for six days. That makes no sense. It Makes no sense. Why would you do that, God? We we have people. We have men. We've got warriors. Do you understand if Joshua would have went the the way he typically would have went and he would have approached Jericho the way he typically would have approached Jericho, he would have been destroyed because that's not how God said to do it. He would have been going under his own strength and his own might and his own wisdom and and he would have went, let's go take down Jericho and they would have been destroyed. We know that the very next city they tried that with, they were destroyed. And, And we see we see this story, God's making this, this, uh, this you know, the, the war plans, and they make no sense. Make no sense. And Joshua's going, this, this is a terrible idea. Here's something I want us to understand this morning. I'm going to close here in just a moment. Rarely do we fully understand what God's wanting us to do when he's wanting us to do it. Rarely do we understand and fully understand why God's asking me to do this. The point is, we are to walk in obedience and let God take care of the rest of it. That's the point. You might not fully understand it, but that's okay. It's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. I walk by faith and not by my own understanding. Joshua's going, God, I don't understand this. But I trust you more than I trust myself. And because of that, we're going to march one day, one one time per day for six days. That's why we're doing this. Because I trust you more than I trust myself. I don't understand it. I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I know your voice. I've heard you. I'm going to trust you. When walking and following God in obedience, rarely do we understand the why. Rarely do we fully understand the why. We just keep walking in obedience. The purpose, the purpose behind the commands, we don't always understand. We don't always understand the purpose behind what God's saying. We don't always understand that, but we have to walk by faith and not by sight. We have to be willing to say, God, I trust you. I I thought about the story of Naaman. Remember the story of Naaman when Naaman was a leper? He was sick and and, and he was looking for healing. And the prophet says, you need to go down and dip in Jordan seven times. Remember that story? And and Damon was all upset because this isn't how it works. You're supposed to wave something over me and, and say hocus pocus. And all of a sudden, I'd be healed. And that's not how this, I'm not supposed to go down to the dirty Jordan River and dip in the water. In fact, he got upset. And his servant said, hey, maybe you ought to just do what the, prophet of God says and try it he goes down to the river and he gets in the water and he dips one time and he comes up and his skin doesn't change he dips two times and it doesn't change he dips three times and it doesn't change four five six times this is the exact story of Jericho nothing changes they marched around Jericho once a day for six days and nothing changed the walls hadn't fallen the people were still inside Nothing was making sense. Nothing was working. Nothing was happening. I don't know if you've ever been there in your spiritual walk or not. But there are times in your spiritual walk you're just marching. And you don't understand why. And you don't see anything happening. And I thought there would be great miracles by now. I thought there would be a great revival by now. I don't understand, God, why nothing's happening. Why am I in this dry season? Well, because you're marching. It's not time for your shout yet. It's okay, the shout's coming, it's just not time yet. You see, what leads to the shout's just as important as the shout. Had they not walked, if they had just walked out there to the city and started shouting, the walls would have never come down. Everyone in there just went, what's wrong with these crazy people? And some reason we think that's the way it ought to be in our life. We ought to just be able to start shouting at any time and something will start happening. Noise, by the way, isn't shout. A lot of times we just go, we need noise. Well, noise doesn't bring a shout. In fact, when they were marching around the walls, Joshua said, I don't want you making a single peep. I want it to be quiet. So when it's time to shout, we'll all shout. made no sense for Naaman. He's sick. He's, he's, He's dipping. One, two, three, four, five, six. Every time he'd come up, he'd look. Nothing's changed. But on the seventh time, when he dipped in the water... He came up and his whole body was made whole. Why? Because he obeyed. Did he understand it? No. Made no sense to him. Makes no sense to me. I read this story and I go, that makes no sense. Why would God do that? Why would he require Naaman to go get in the river six times? That makes no sense. Naaman had to be going, I don't understand the why. And here's what we, I think we need to get this morning. You don't have to understand the why. You just have to hear God's voice and obey it. And he'll take care of the rest. Joshua didn't understand why they had to march around six times. I'm going to tell you why he had to march around six times for, once a day for six days. I'll tell you why he had to do that. On the seventh day, they had to march around seven times. And then at a certain point, they had to shout. And the walls would come down. They never would have gotten to the seventh day had they not marched around six days prior. You see, to get to the seventh time, you've got to march your six times. While you're going, nothing's happening. It's dried up. Spiritually, nothing's happening. This is not what I thought. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening to my kids. I've been praying for them for years. Nothing's happening. My parents are still not serving. Nothing's happening. The job I'm on, I hated it five years ago, and I still dislike it today. Nothing's happening. I thought every one of my coworkers would be saved by now. None of them are. Nothing's happening. I thought I'd be deeper in my walk with God. I thought I'd have half of this memorized. By now, nothing's happening. What do I do? You just keep marching. You just keep marching. Oh, the shout's coming. You just haven't got there yet. Six days in a row, they march. They see nothing. Every time they're marching around the wall and they're looking up, going, Nothing has changed. Nothing's happening. Six times, six days, nothing. Seventh day, they march around six times. Nothing's happening. Finally, on the seventh time around, God says, I want you to blast the trumpets. And the trumpets started blasting. And all of a sudden, they heard this great cry, shout. And everyone started shouting because it was time. And immediately, the walls just started crumbling down. And the city was given to them. And the victory was theirs. Why did that happen? Because it was willing to march. Because it was willing to keep on. You know, when it comes to serving the Lord, let's all stand this morning. When it comes to serving the Lord, there are just simply sometimes, you just got to keep marching. Well, yeah, I don't know. Church has just been kind of dead recently. You just keep marching. My prayer life's been kind of dead recently. That's right. You just keep marching. I just don't know. Just, I don't feel like God's really even, I just don't even feel him anymore. Well, you keep marching. You keep dipping in the, in the river. You keep doing what God's calling. You don't understand it today, but there's a purpose behind the marching. You had to march six times to get to the seventh day. And you had to get to the seventh day in order to get to the shout. So often, again, we just want to go right into the shouting. And we have to understand what leads up to the shout is equally as important as the shout itself. Because had they not done what they were supposed to do to lead to the shout, the shout would have been worthless, powerless, useless. The marching was important. Sometimes we just have to see our way through. Sometimes we just have to keep on going. Sometimes we have to have some stick to stick to us. <laughs> willing to stay the fight and stay the course. The willing to keep going when no one else goes. Willing to not, the willingness to, to continue and not stop. The willingness to grow some thick skin and go, Oh, well, someone may have said something, but I'm okay with that. I'm still serving the Lord. I'm still trusting him. I'm still marching. Oh, I know the shout's coming, and your shout is coming. Your shout is coming. It's on its way. It will be here when it's supposed to be here. Your day of shouting is coming, but until then, you just keep marching. You just keep marching. You keep serving. You keep praying. You keep praising. You keep reading his word. You keep getting around people of faith. You just keep doing what the the Bible says to do and God says to do and let him take care of the rest. And one day, one day we'll be able to look back on it and go, I understand why I had to march for six days because my shout finally came. My shout finally came and God finally gave me the victory. And it's his battle. One real quick thought. One real quick thought. Well, two real quick. Number one is they had to be quiet while they were marching, couldn't complain, couldn't gripe. They just had to keep marching. And number two, and this is a big one, the entire time they were marching, they took the ark with them. God's presence was with them every step of the way. Oh, the wall didn't fall. God's presence was still there. Yeah, but but my, my parents, they 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 died of sickness and disease. I don't know if God's really a healer. Oh no. God's presence was there the whole time. Even when the wall wasn't falling, the presence of God was still there. They did not once leave the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God at camp and say, well, let's just go march. Now, everywhere they stepped, the presence of God was there. Was it evident in the walls? No. Not until the day of the shout. But they never left the presence of God behind, they always took it with them because the battle and the victory belonged to the person whose ark that belonged to. And they had to have his presence, had to have his presence. I don't know, sometimes we go through dry seasons and times in our life. That doesn't mean God's forsaken you. It doesn't mean that he's not even at work. In fact, you may be exactly where he wants you to be, marching around a wall today. You're not seeing the outcome that you want. That's all right. You just keep marching. God's there with you. And it's his battle.